Hey, dude. Da Frick? Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio. And today we are joined by the always awesome uh, and intrepid producer extraordinaire, uh, one-two combo of Nathan Marchan and Jimmy from NASA. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I am He's still really surprised that out of all the shows that keep wanting to have us on as guests, you're the only one who wants both of us. <laughs> well, so the thing is, like, I have so much fun with both of you guys. Uh, and Jimmy, trust me when I say I haven't forgotten from when I was on the island last and Nathan and I briefly, briefly talked about Star Wars, amongst many other things as we were, as we were talking Gamera. Uh, you and I will have our, have our discussion at some point about the, the pros and cons of the prequel trilogy, uh, which for me have softened much over time, but that's for a different time. There's a reason I wanted you on for today as well, just because Nathan and I, um, dear listener, we've been uh, like Nathan and I became friends a while ago, but we'll also text uh, or message one another every once in a while when we're just watching a show, if we're getting into it. Um, like recently I've been listening to some audio dramas. I'm like, dude, you got to check this out. And then I just, one day, uh, I believe a month or two ago, I just messaged him and I'm like, you ever watch Beast Wars? This show is awesome. Like, <laughs> to I've which I said, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we were finally setting the date to do the episode, um, I was like, bring Jimmy just because I feel like Jimmy, J- Jimmy would have some stuff to say. And also... In a weird way, just to add to the Jimmy mythology, just, I know his origin. I know Jimmy's story. And there's certain aspects of him that remind me a little bit of Dinobots, the good aspects <laughs> of Dinobots. But Dinobots awesome, period. But as we'll get into it in this episode, um, Dinobot also did some shady things. Let's, let's be real. Um, <laughs> so I'm just like, I can't not, we can't not have Jimmy here when we're going to be talking Dinobot, like his Mac, his Predacle, his Predacon turned maximal uh, avatar, basically. Like, that's what I'm going for here. <laughs> oh, he thought you wanted him on because there's a gorilla robot <laughs> in this show, and he's fixing a gorilla robot at the moment. <laughs> well, you know what? That, that works, too, because then we can also get... I, I'm sure Jimmy's got to take, as we all should on um, Optimus Primal in Season 2, where that might be the most 90s thing I've seen in quite some time, where a gorilla suddenly becomes metallic purple and silver and also flies around on a surfboard, like airboards around. I don't know if that one's aged quite well. You want to know what I thought was the most 90s thing in this show? It was... Dinobot 2 and Transmetal 2 Cheetor. Both of those just screamed 90s Edgelord. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? That, that, that's fair. That's fair. Cheetor, Cheetor especially. I 
I'll be honest, and I, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but Shidor, a couple of the characters have multiple bodies or multiple versions or modes. I mean, <laughs> gotta get those new toys in. <laughs> well, exactly. Like as much as I will throw jokes at the um, the larger Transformer community um, lovingly, because I I know so many people. I've got friends who are like, oh, Transformers was amazing. I was like, yours is a toy commercial. It's a giant toy commercial. And they're like, what do you think Beast Wars was? I'm like, I know it's a toy commercial, but at least it dealt with some themes and did stuff well. And then you're like, okay, they're switching out the bodies because new toys to go, or certain characters never got translated because they didn't have it in the budget. Or characters got written off because their toys weren't selling too well. That's what happened with um, Tigertron and Air Razor. Like the, they were on a tight budget to begin with. Tigertron was chosen because the model was really close to Cheetors anyway, so they could yeah, save some originally money. Originally, it um, was going to be the character Wolfang. I remember yeah, that toy. Yep. They, that was what they wanted, um, but there, but we'll, uh, we should probably give the listeners a little bit of a background. Beast Wars was a new line of toys that Hasbro produced for the Transformers Mm -hmm. line where they they all turned into animals. Now, there were animal Transformers before because I grew up on G1, so I remember these things. But Mm -hmm. every Transformer in this turned into an animal, and they looked initially looked more like real animals as opposed to the stylized metallic, you know, like Ravage. The, who famously turned yeah, into a tape yeah. deck for Soundwave. You know, more stylized, <laughs> but even though there's some... Ravage is supposed to be a panther. So, yeah. you know, so we'll, it was we'll a radical departure. It was, to be honest, yeah. probably a, a risky move on Hasbro's part. Well, they wanted to do a oh, show it, that tied into it, and then they got a hold so, of a studio in your I, native Canada. <laughs> yep. Yep, called Mainframe. Frame, who also did Reboot. Yes, the, they had just done Reboot, which was the, I believe, yep. was technically the first CGI television series. Entirely CGI I, television series. I believe series. so. Yeah. Or so the, they were the, already well-known for that. There might have been one in France at, the, at a similar time, but I think Reboot came out just a little bit, uh, little bit before it. Yeah. So they, I'm guessing Hasbro talked to them and said, make, we want you to make a show based on this. And we want you to do it in your style using CGI. Cause that was the new big thing at the time. I think if you know, this show, I think started around 1995, which is right around the time of toy story. So CGI was becoming a big deal in terms of animation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so as you pointed out, because of it wasn't just budget constraints it was also constraints of the technology now if this show was oh, made yeah. now every character in the entire toy line would probably be in it but at this point it was the the animation was expensive oh, to produce very. and so they had so the creative team had to look at the toy line and decide okay which characters do we want to use for this show? Because they could really only have a handful of them. So it wasn't like the G1 cartoon and comic where you know it's hand-drawn so they could take that whole toy line and throw them in there. You could have a whole army and have a, an episode about a new character every week, yeah. every day, or whatever. Yeah. They didn't have that luxury. And I think no. 
this is a testament to how co- limitations on create uh, on creativity forces you to be even more creative. And because the writers on this show knew they only had a limited cast of characters that they could really use, it made them work on those characters and develop those characters and give them not only really distinct personalities and really strong characterization. Because my gosh, even the, you know, for lack of a better term, the grunt characters, the grunt bad guys (laughs) have strong characterization in this show. It's astonishing. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. And so, and then not only that, but they also worked on their stories. They put in character arcs. There's so much mm-hmm. stuff packed into this. And when you stop and think about it, you know, this was a show that went three seasons, 52 episodes, and it is doing things that are remarkably clever and almost it, it, it almost seems like the audience wasn't really kids. <laughs> it was you know, an older audience. I don't know exactly where to put it because there's a lot of things in this that you th- you have to think to yourself, why is this a kid show? Because <laughs> this well, show gets yeah, away no, with I, things nobody would think about getting away with now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> unless yeah, you're, no, I, uh, I unless gonna... you're a Toonami original or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I was gonna say it's uh, it's 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 in a way very much a product of its time, uh, in the best possible ways. Um, the '90s was a weird time, uh, a very weird time with our with our shows. Uh, I'm gonna point to two other shows that were on the air at similar, or even a, even a couple other ones that were had varying degree of censorship or stuff that you were like, I can't believe this got in there. Um, Spider-Man, the animated series that was on Fox in the nineties. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, Jimmy, you're, you're, you're totally right. Like Spider-Man was like that because of a lot of the complaints due to the, uh, debatable excessive violence and matter and mighty Morphin power Rangers, um, which in power Rangers is later why they, they brought back Rita because parents complained too much about Lord Zed. But, a similar show on the same network, uh, Batman, Batman, the animated series had guns, had punching, had a lot of heavy subject matter. Um, you had. What? Okay. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Gotta love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Jimmy, yeah, we, it, next time, Make sure that Chris's mic, or just the guest mic in general, is primed correctly. Hey, watch your lip, boy. I don't appreciate that tone. Anyway, you were saying, Chris? <laughs> yeah, all I was uh, saying was the '90s is a weird time. Was a, a wonderfully weird time. Uh, that's also reflected in the comics, and that. Uh, not Beast Wars comics, just comic books in general. Oh, geez. Um, Don't get me started on Rob Liefeld. (laughs) Oh, I know, I know. Uh, I was going to say when we said Edgelord, but we're not going there. Um, Um, And anything by image. (laughs) Rob Liefeld and anything by image. (laughs) Pouches! Uh, So, dear listener, I I also realized I I never mentioned how I got back to the island. And here's how. Uh, I recently got on while I was on my beast force kick, I got, I I gave a shot to a show that 
we never really got here in, in North America, especially in a wide release, which uh, Transformers has always been successful in Japan. Uh, I mean, go figure. Uh, it's a the Japanese franchise. Movies, which... the, the history of Transformers is an interesting one, to say the least. <laughs> Pretty well, much it's a, it was a Japanese really... toy line <laughs> that an American company got their mitts on and then created a mythology around it. Because in Japan, those yeah. figures don't have the character and the weight that they do. <laughs> or at least back in the 80s, they didn't. It was the Americans who built yeah. the whole mythology. But anyway, continue. I, I, well, I was going to say, like, mine was just the joke of, look at all the stuff that comes out of Japan. All right, not all the stuff, just much of the stuff. And you'll see giant robots being a continual feature. So go figure something with giant robots or animals to transform into robots being successful. Um, yes, I know you wholeheartedly approve of Japanese giant robots being in everything. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm with you. If you gave me Bambi 3 Tokyo Drift that suddenly featured uh, a mecha Godzilla, not a mecha Bambi because that's just a robot deer at regular size and I mean, that's cool, but not next to Mechacon, Mechacon or anything from Beast Wars. Um, He's correcting you and saying it's Mechanicong. Jimmy, you're right. I'm sorry. I knew as I said it, I was wrong, uh, but it was already out. It was too late. Um, <laughs> uh, I was waiting so, for Robot Kong. <laughs> I have to find the robot um, Kong. Dig. I mean. <laughs> so how I got to the island today is uh, Nathan. You and I were talking earlier about how Beast Wars was uh, like part of it was the budget, and not just for the characters, but because the show was so CG, uh, like it was purely CG. That meant a lot of money was just going towards the environment, which. Some in the fan community have criticized as being too open. I, I found they made use of the space, especially as the seasons went on. Um, now, I want to say, limited- uh, I will say, the viewing the show now, the animation is really dated, especially the environment. The characters look yeah. better than the environment. Oh, but yeah. I think that was on purpose I, because that's where they focused because the char- this is a very character-driven show, so they got to make the characters look up. Plus... Sell oh, the toys. absolutely. <laughs> because well, they, they were hyper-detailed with the toys. Like, I actually read that the animators got the action figures, scanned the action figures into the yeah. computer, and were meticulous <laughs> about making their character models transform like the toys. That's how meticulous they yeah. were. But all of that to say, oh, yeah. yes, the animation looks dated, but if you can get past that, and I hope and pray people are able to, and not just write it off for surface-level things, as we've already pointed out, this show is timeless because of its characters and its story, and its voice acting, because oh, the voice acting's top-notch. Everything else has 1, aged amazingly well, except the animation. <laughs> but you were saying... <laughs> well- I, I think the animation is part of its charm, but yeah, I'll, I'll finish up with how I got here. Um, there was a couple care. There was a couple uh, characters from the toy line that never made it into the, into the show due to numerous budget uh, budgetary reasons and toy sale concerns and blah blah blah. Uh, there was the toy named um, 
what was it? Was it Lockjaw? Or no, uh, Clawjaw. 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 I used to Clawjaw have that was, toy. <laughs> I remember you telling me. Clawjaw was a squid maximal. Uh, but where this ties into Japan is because Beast Wars was so successful. There were two Japanese exclusive Beast Wars sequel cartoon shows. Um, a sequel in the loosest of sense. Uh, it's just, <laughs> uh, the uh, the G1 cartoon had that too. Yeah. It's um, a sequel in the loosest of sense of not that it picks up really any story elements. It's just, hey, here's Transformers that transform into beasts. Half of them do. The the Predacons, for the most part, are machines, and they transform into machines, and I, I didn't care for that. But it was a character. no in, sense. I'm just saying. Oh, I know. I didn't, I, I didn't like that. Um, but there was a character from Beast Wars 2 named Scuba that was also a squid transformer. That is how I got here. Oh, uh, you hitched, hitched a ride, a ride on Scuba. scuba. <laughs> I, hit, I hitched a ride on Scuba. I was like, you know what, Scuba? I... I don't get your show fully, but also I, I like you and I like your, your leader. Um, I think it was uh, Lionel, but no, that's not right. But it was a lion. Um, <laughs> like it, 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 of course, was a lion. Um, but Scuba was cool. And there was also a couple other really cool, really cool characters from Beast Wars, too. So that's how I got here today to talk about Beast Wars. Now, just Nathan, make sure did... the board doesn't know he's here or they may attempt to capture him to keep him on the island, depending on how big he is. Oh, he's he, he's pieced out a bit. He, w- he was also very aware of the island that we're coming from. And he didn't want uh, Zilla is here, right? He's on the like, beta uh, site, uh, actually. No, wait, I take it back. He just got moved. <laughs> he just got moved here. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I gave him that heads up, and he's like, all right, even though I'm a machine, I still might smell like something Zilla likes to eat. So I'm going to drop you off and peace out, and then you're just going to signal me to come pick you up, uh, and yeah. we'll be lickety split. Yeah. Um, or he can hang so out with Gazora. You know, they're, they're close fair. enough in species. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Nathan, how did you get introduced to Beast Wars? Well... I actually, as I've already mentioned, I was a fan of the G1 cartoon growing up. I collected the toys, although I started collecting the toys when they got rebranded as Generation 2. (laughs) And so I was collecting the toys for a while, and then there was the big shock of the, the toy line changing to all animals. It was a little weird at first, but I was willing to get into it. And the first one that I remember buying was actually a two-pack in the first wave of toys. Uh, My brother and I, I don't remember if we bought it together, but we split the toys because it had Optimus Primal and Megatron. But in the first wave of toys, the figures were smaller and Optimus was a bat and Megatron was a crocodile. So it was a little strange. But the the cool thing about it was this figure two-pack, and I ended up getting Megatron and he got Primal, was it came with a mini comic book that explained things, the new mythology. But what was strange was in that initial wave of toys, they were supposed to be the characters from the previous line of toys. So this bat was somehow supposed to be Optimus Primal, who at one point was a drunk. <laughs> it was very strange. 
But then the show came along and then they made them separate characters, which was a very, very smart move. Now, the show, I actually found by accident. I just got up early one day. It was like 6.30 in the morning. Got around, did my, you know, did my morning routine, got breakfast. I probably, I don't remember all the details. I just know for sure that when I turned the TV on, it was already like a quarter till seven. And I was expecting another show to be on. And lo and behold, it's the first episode of Beast Wars. But I'm halfway <laughs> through it, so I don't know half of what's going on. I'm just like, wait a minute. This is a Beast Wars cartoon. I did not know this existed. And it's all CGI. <laughs> and what is this? But I tuned in right when the Maximals and Predacons were all lined up to have their first yep. big skirmish in the first episode. So yep. I'm just trying to figure out what's happening right there. And then Dinobot shows up at the end. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have Dinobot. And, you know, <laughs> so it's, I, I it was... It was a little strange. I had to get the full story later on when I saw a rerun. But the the thing about the show initially, and I don't know what it was like for you in Canada, but here, Beast Wars was part of this kind of odd block of children's cartoons that would air during the week. I'm guessing either before or after school, because that's usually how these things worked. And it was called the power block. Ooh. <laughs> you know, like it, it, there was actually an intro for this. that was just for everything. They would play before the actual theme song for the show was up. It was like powering up the power block. And then it would show clips of all the shows that were part of it. The thing that was silly was my local stations only aired Beast Wars because the way it would work, it was the... It would be two episodes of Beast Wars on Monday and Tuesday, and then another show on Wednesday, and then another show Thursday and Friday. But only Uh, Beast Wars aired on my local stations. They never aired anything else that was part of this block. Now, I was aware of what those other shows were, and they have been forgotten in the mists of the 90s. (laughs) I only remember what one of them was called. It was called Vortec, and it had something to do with cars, souped-up cars and weird 90s mutant supervillain things. I That's all I can remember. You want to research it, you know, if this was my show, Jimmy would look that up for me, you know, that sort of a stuff. But, you know, but so I would watch Beast Wars, which I think is why the first season is twice as long as seasons two and three, because the first season is 26 episodes and then two and three are 13 apiece because they had to make two episodes to air a week as opposed to one. Yeah, yeah. So in in Canada, um, in Canada, it was interesting just because it would air on YTV, which if you were in the Toronto area and you had basic cable, it was channel 25. I remember seeing Um, that logo at the end of every episode during the credits. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then also, here's where it got interesting, but also air on Fox, on Fox Kids. um, That was later. That was later. Right. That was, so, I was about uh, to mention had, that uh, because the thing that was annoying for me was the show was syndicated. And then right. for some odd reason, the last five or so episodes, I never got to see <laughs> in syndication. I don't remember if I just missed them being aired or if they just, if my local station just never aired it, aired them. 
But it frustrated me because I started watching Beast Machines, which is a whole other topic unto itself, but it's supposed to be a sequel. So it starts. And even though I heard the creators of the show said that we set it up so that you could have not seen Beast Wars and still get into it, I was at a the worst possible point because I was a fan of Beast Wars and I started watching Beast Machines and I was trying to figure out what the heck was going on because I wanted to know how my characters, not my characters, but how did the I characters end up where they are here? I'm confused. I hated, I but, hated you know, Beast Machines. Beast Machines is a whole um, other, pardon the pun, yeah, animal. No, no, <laughs> We're, we're just going to move on. Yeah, I'm just but, bag it down. <laughs> but because that was a Fox show that was on Saturday mornings, they reran Beast Wars during the week. Remember back when regular TV aired cartoons in the afternoons during the week? Yeah. Good times. But <laughs> okay, so, so, so you know, they would I, rerun I, Beast Wars I, then. I so I just had remember. to watch them all every week in order. So like, I want to see those episodes I missed. And then I finally got to see them. The problem with the Fox airings of the show was they censored them <laughs> because so I found was, out later was, that if you're a syndicated cartoon, the censorship uh, or rather the rules are more relaxed. lenient, but if you're on network, yeah. there are more rules. So they got away with more because it was syndicated. So, I, so the weird thing was, I remember in the 90s being watching the show, and I, now I may have gotten them confused, but depending on which network I watched them on, on one network, it was called Beast Wars. On the other network, it was called Beasties, because That's apparently the, the Canadian title name. Wars was, which was so stupid to me. Like, I, I yeah. did, it's just dumb. Uh, uh, fun fact, that was not the only mainframe produced show where they did that. It's, uh, I'm, there was I'm, I'm another one, frequently... and I was a fan of this. What annoyed me was only the first season aired in the U.S., <laughs> so I had to find other means to watch it later in life, but uh, in the United States, it was called War Planets because that was the name of the toy line. It was very loosely based right. on, but everywhere else in the world, it's called Shadow Raiders. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds I... remarkably generic also well, that's also, more in reference to the bad guys nice job <laughs> so the thing with be- it being called beasties was it's like no well wars is too violent huh you don't think all the explosions and gunshots in oh the my title gosh dude oh uh, uh, watching uh, uh, it- watching this show well not all of it but i you know pan picking what i thought were the best episodes of the show in anticipation yeah. of, being, uh, of this episode, my gosh, no one would yeah. get away with this now. Nobody. No, no. Right, it's so. it's remarkably violent. The characters are brandishing guns all the time. It's like, did, were there a bunch of First Amendment guys from the United States that moved up to Canada <laughs> to work for Mainframe? Because these characters are just flaunting their guns all the time, well, pointing them at each other, say, often putting the barrels of the guns on each other's heads and all kinds of things. It's like nobody would do this show now. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Well, I, I was going to say, just because we're, uh, we're running on a bit of a time crunch, let's jump into the show itself. Um, it's It's got as you alluded earlier it's got it's three seasons and it yeah no it is it is 
by all means a very violent show. Now, the weird thing is I don't consider it too, too violent. It's violent in the sense of, yeah, they've got guns all the time. And at times it's played to comedic effect. Um, there's what's probably the best episode of the show. You couldn't have done that story without violence. And that, that's um, that's the season two episode, Code of Hero. Oh, um, my which gosh. <laughs> trans, Transformers fan community. Um, here's the thing. I, I, I will, I will bag on G1 Transformers, but lovingly, um, to me, the thing, like, to me, the thing is this, like as much as it can be, there was a whole uproar in the early nineties, like uh, truck, not monkey or whatever, which was just the, the, uh, the irony <laughs> of it was originally the show wasn't intended to be part of the G1 continuity, but no. there were the fans but, that were of the G, uh, the G1 fans who were watching the show were talking to the creators on message boards well, and giving them ideas about so how to tie it into the, the show, yeah. into the continuity. Which, and they which, started working those in there because the creators admitted, we don't necessarily know a whole lot about G1 Transformers. So which they was a really cool thing to do. Like to tie in Starscream was kind of cool. And season that's one. actually one of my uh, favorite episodes. Possession is what in, it's called. Bringing in Ravage um, towards the end of season Again, two. Another like, one of oh my, my favorite gosh, episodes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so much fun. And especially that he's just randomly really, really Russian with a blast. <laughs> Like, I don't no care. explanation for it whatsoever. <laughs> You're just like, you know what? This works. I'm here for it. In, <laughs> Mother, in Mother Russia, Panthers <laughs> turn into tapes. You did not know this. And when I love that when he turned into the tape, you got the classic yes! sound effect, everything. <laughs> yes. But, so the, the first season is the one where I'm like, that's where I look at that one as more so at least the first chunk of it as a bit of the kids show. It's still figuring out what it is. Like as much as I'll be like my, your transformers was a toy commercial. Mine had deep stuff like code of hero. It did also have farting robots, which thank God that was only one episode. And I don't remember what that's called, but it's for me the worst episode of the show. When when the robot when the Energon builds up and there's farts, I'm like, right, I'm watching. Not only not only that, show. but it was something that they had been building toward the entire episode, and yeah. apparently Rhinox has yeah. flatulence that qualifies as a WMD. Yeah, because that's how they defeat the bad guys at the end of that one, and I yeah. was not fond of it when I saw it the first time, and I have no, ne- it is never been appealing to me that is the worst episode of the show but it's yeah. and i and i think the first season of beast wars not only has the usual tv show you know growing pains of figuring out pains, itself yeah. figuring out the characters but because it was 26 episodes there's filler essentially filler oh, kind of one off episodes but there's also, and this is one of the things that I actually love about the show, is that, and it's not something that you typically saw, especially, let alone in children's shows, was serialized storytelling that has an oh, ongoing yeah. plot line. In this case, there's a third party, besides the Maximals and Predacons. Yep. You, have, you don't find out what they're called until their final episode. They're called the Vok. V-O-K, yeah. the yeah. Vok. There are these aliens... Yep. 
that are have their own agenda going, and the Maxwells and Predacons are messing with it, and they hate both of them because of it. Because, yep. spoiler warning, people, I should explain this. The setup of the show was initially the crew of Maximals that we see are chasing down these rogue Predacons, and the Maximals and Predacons are descendants. This is how they tie it to G1. They are the descendants of the Autobots and Decepticons, respectively, and it's 300 years after the G1 continuity. So it's 300 mm-hmm. years later in, the, in that continuity. They chase them down because they stole a, a, an important artifact. They go through what they call trance warp, and then they have a battle, they shoot each other down, and now they're engaging in, no pun intended, guerrilla warfare <laughs> with each other <laughs> over the lots of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, well, and then you find out later that when they went through this trance warp, that they not only traveled through space, they traveled through time, and they are on ancient Earth. That's yep. why they are finding alternate modes that look like animals. I'm surprised they, they didn't figure this out until later, but, you know, I guess their records on Earth wildlife was spotty. <laughs> so when I, when I watched the show recently, because um, I watched it through, they, they planted a lot more seeds about being Earth than, than I remembered. And the reason they did that, they were like, we're not sure that we're going to be allowed to make this Earth. So we're just going to, we added the extra moon as the backup. And then when we got the okay, they were like, okay, we're going to destroy yeah. this just and to make that it is, And that's the genius of this. There is yeah. so much. for try- I mean, I have to tell you, watching this show again, it dawned on me not only how much I love it, but also how much, honestly, I feel like, there are many things about this show that have seeped deep into my soul and they, and I carry them with me to this day. It's astonishing to be honest. And the serialized storytelling is great with that. So there are oh gosh, some yeah. really nice high points in season one. And to be honest, the, the high points, most of the high points in season one for me are either when they're doing stuff with the intrigue and mystery of the Valk yeah. and what they're doing. Cause they're conducting experiments from a distance on yeah. what's essentially ancient earth. Can if you find that they're responsible for things like Stonehenge? And then there are things where they use some symbols that are kind of part of, you know, conspiracy theory circles and things like that, that kind of hint at, you know, them being these ancient aliens and doing things as I know that's part of conspiracy theories or the episodes that have some sort of, tie in with the G1 continuity like possession where the yeah. ghost of Starscream takes control of Waspinator. <laughs> yeah. I so with season 1 I find my favorite episodes uh especially when they excel are towards the back half of the season. Um towards the end they really like the serialized storytelling gets in the zone um and they're really amping up for they don't know if they're going to get continued. So that's also each season. It's like seasons one and two ended on a note where the good guys lose. And they're like, this could I be know. it. We don't know. That's one of the other it. things that's I'm bold like, about this show. It was, yeah, there are, because there were a few times, I mean, it looks like the good guys lose in the, in the season one and two finales, but there was actually an episode called the probe, which is one of the ones I rewatched 
where the good guys lose. They just flat out lose. Now, the thing is, oh, is yeah. that if they had won, then the show would have been over. Because <laughs> well, no, in that it's, one, it's, they find like, out that a Cybertron had sent a probe to follow them. And if they find them, that means they'll get rescued. Well, yeah. they can't get a signal to the probe unless they set up a relay station, which <laughs> they try to defend. And then the Predacons screw that up. And then in the end, they blow the thing up. And the probe never finds out that they were there. So if they had Which, been found, yeah. that would have ended the show. Now, there's a really great moment well, yeah. in this because we've talked about it with Dinobot. And I think we need to get, let's just get on to, well, let's talk about the season first and we'll get back to Dinobot. But there's a nice moment with Dinobot that becomes part of his development as a character. Because what happens is he was one of the Predacons, didn't get along with Megatron. Megatron got rid of him with a rock, with, uh, no, Scorponok got rid of him with a rocket to the face. <laughs> and the and then he ends up defecting to the maximals so there's a point where he says oh yeah this is great for you but uh, if what if cybertron comes they're gonna call me a criminal and god only knows yeah. what they're gonna do to me and primal tries to yeah. tell him don't worry we're going to make sure that that doesn't happen and he doesn't believe them and that becomes a through line for him so, so you know, there, there was that, and then the I do think uh, episodes like the trigger, which was a two-parter, about halfway through it, that one was really good, where they had the floating island and they did more stuff with the Vok, and that actually yep. has a very interesting ending because by the end of it, the floating island gets destroyed because the Black Arachnia tries and. Also, Megatron was trying to do it too, try to take it over because of the power and weaponry that the thing had. Well, it ends up crashing, and that was a Tigertron focused episode. And Tigertron is a pacifist, he's very in touch with nature, he doesn't like war, and that sort of thing. And when the island crashes, Tigertron says, We were given a paradise but we proved unworthy. And then Optimus Primal yep. adds, it's an old story. Maybe we'll learn someday. And I'm thinking, why don't you just call it the Garden of Eden? That's what this is. It's the Garden of Eden. It's talking about the fall. It's talking about being expelled from paradise. That's what this is. Thank you. <laughs> so, that that actually made me think of when you brought up Black Arachnia and Dinobot. One of the thing one of the things the show did so well that made it so interesting was it didn't just have clear cut good guys and bad guys. There it, there were some that were always on the side of good who would unquestionably be on the side of good, but there were a, a number of characters where the tide the tides and sides were almost ever changing. Well, um, and, I mean, and even the changed, actual, even he, the he betrayed them, yeah, and then he went back to the Maximals. Black Arachnia, uh, midway through the second season, like the spiders always operated on their own terms, yes, <laughs> but still somewhat subservient to Megatron. But then Black Arachnia, midway through season two, when Silverbolt so showed up, especially in the episode where. Uh, the Hannibal Lecter of Transformers Rampage shows up. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> which was a great, horrifying episode. Loved it. Um, bad like, Spark, that, that's I think where is they, what it's called. Yeah, Bad Spark. That's where they started having her 
you started to sow seeds of like, is, is she going to go to the good side? And she eventually did. Silverbolt was with the Predacons for a while, but he was deliberately like super duper chivalrous. So yeah, you knew but he, he was, wouldn't uh, stay he had there. He been lied to. That was the thing. Yeah. Because this is a but, this is an element, and we should bring this up. This is an element of the mytho- of Transformers mythology that this show introduced. It's a couple of them. One is protoforms and one is sparks. Now, sparks had kind yep. of been hinted at in G1, but this really solidified it. Essentially, a spark is a Transformer's soul. And then they yeah. also introduced what are called protoforms, which yep. were I'm a little confused about how it's supposed to work because I thought that if they were in escape pods and that was the actual maximal crew and stuff like that, but uh, they play around with it. So, but essentially, it's so the, the yeah, it's like the, a primordial form for a transformer, and then because that becomes a thing, whenever one of those pods crashes, then they 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 all go like, "Oh, look, a new friend! We need to go to get the them because new character is going to show up," and then. Yeah. yeah. Then a lot of times they, they have things malfunction. To to, yeah. And then they sometimes they'll do things where they'll malfunction and things don't work out quite as well. And they did that with Silverbolt, where he couldn't remember when he came out of the pod who he was or what his allegiance was. So Megatron convinces him he's a Predacon. But then <laughs> later on, he figures with, out, I'm not a Predacon. Screw you. That so, scene <laughs> was so funny just because you've got Quick Strike who's a very enjoyable, like, one-note character, who's clearly <laughs> like I said, a bad even guy. the one-note characters have strong characterization. Oh, <laughs> That's what I love uh, about this. Inferno. Inferno, I love. <laughs> but his character For the glory as, of like, the royalty! <laughs> a yelling ant. Like that, a Inferno fire ant. Get it right. Fire ant. <laughs> a, a yelling fire ant. In Inferno's first episode, when I rewatched it, I was like, he yells. So much more than I remember. Like you remember the stuff like my queen for the royalty for the colony, yeah. but he just goes like ah, <laughs> yeah, so much and it's entertaining. Yes, um, yes, yes. But as I was saying, like all the characters, but, even when they're one note, yeah, on top. Yes, uh, but as I was saying, the what was I saying? <laughs> I suddenly can't remember. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Uh, but in that episode, when they introduced it, just Megatron being Megatron, like oh, manipulator. Now I remember. Now I remember, now I remember. Even strike away, but then he's like, Oh, we're a happy family. And yes. then they do the family. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, now I remember even the characters who are the actual good guys the writers on the show were not afraid to make them a bit rough around mm-hmm. the edges, give them actual imperfections that oh, become part of their character. I'm thinking most especially of Rat Trap. Yeah. Rat yep. Trap. Actually, it's funny. You look at Rat Trap as he progresses from episode one to the final episode, and there's actual development for him before he was incredibly sarcastic, incredibly cynical. He didn't follow orders half the time. Because if he thought, I'm not doing that if it means I'm going to get killed. And you know, <laughs> and now he kept that sarcastic, cynical edge throughout the entire show. But he he was much more willing as the series progressed to, you know, to not, th- you know, disobey orders and to look out for his comrades and his friends and things like that. And I thought that was a really nice development for him. He also oh, it, had yeah. some of the best lines in the entire show. 
well, and some of the best moments the, in the entire show. Well, yeah, I was going to say he, his whole sequence at the end of uh, the season two finale, where he single-handedly like takes out Ravage, Ravage's ship, <laughs> and uses Ravage's ship to take out Tarantulas and Rampage. Just, that was amazing. I can't, I'm trying to remember what he said because he had like the most action movie of um, worthy of lines when he did that. Oh yeah. It was great. They had, his catchphrase was tell when everybody was having so much fun on this show. Yes. And that was one of those moments where yeah. you're like, everybody is enjoying this. Well, <laughs> and the other thing was, uh, what's funny since we're talking about several of these characters already, but, uh, there was one guy who he was kind of the, the Frank Welker of the show. I don't know if you're familiar with Frank Welker. He's voiced everything. But Frank Welker voiced a oh. bunch of characters in G1, including including Megatron, Soundwave, and several others. <laughs> and oh, uh, then you had, in this show, you had a guy named Scott McNeil, who yep. I think at one point was, for a few episodes, was technically voicing half the cast. Because he well, was, yeah, cause he, he was, was Dinobot, Dinobot, he was Rat, Rat Trap, Trap, he was Silverbolt, Silver and he was Waspinator. Yep. <laughs> so yep. there means there are scenes where he is talking to himself, and I have, I would love <laughs> to see video of him recording because I really want to think. Like, did he just sit there and do both characters at the same time? So every time Dinobot and Rat Trap are butting heads, <laughs> is he just switching voices and characters? At the same time, because oh, that would be stupendous. I hope, so. I hope so. Well, and there's the great story from when Dinobot died. Like people are laughing in the background, like other people. Yeah, he's recording not, it. Not, this is a recorded story. Like, you know, I don't know if this is entirely true. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, I talked over you there. I'm sorry, but the, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Scott McNeil is doing is recording Dinobot's final words. And apparently people are laughing while he's doing it. And he got so annoyed with them that he he started yelling at them, but he didn't break character. <laughs> and supposedly he looked at he, he he stopped reading his lines and he looked at everybody. And I'm going to do a terrible impersonation here, but do you mind? I'm trying to die here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you could hear you could hear the dinobot in that <laughs> <laughs> but you know let's talk about dinobot because dinobot is yeah. by and large my favorite character on the show i mean how I was how say, is he not he is, everybody's how is he not everybody's favorite character he's essentially a cling a shakespeare quoting klingon who turns into a velociraptor <laughs> what more do you want? I mean, he, that's the I, cool thing. What, especially once you get to, to make a season Star two, he's quoting Shakespeare all over the place. To, to make a further Star Trek connection, he is Worf from DS9 in the sense that he doesn't get shot down all the time or thrown across the room automatically to establish how strong the villain is. Uh -huh. Worf in DS9 gets a lot more respect than he did on TNT. Yeah, but that was um, the thing. And with what hints made of Martok. But, with yeah. hints of Martok. <laughs> but what made Dinobot fascinating from the get-go, before the Shakespeare stuff, which just made the lit nerd and me you know, squee with delight. <laughs> Shut up, Jimmy. <laughs> was he 
didn't really belong to either of these camps. And that was what was fascinating. He had too much of, he had too much honorability to be a Predacon. And he was, but he was still too rough around the edges to really be a maximal. And that's why, honestly, his duel with Primal in the beginning of the second episode so clearly establishes his character because he challenges Primal to a duel for leadership. And then they fight, and he has an opportunity to win because Primal loses his balance and is barely hanging on to the stone bridge that they're fighting on. And instead of just kicking him off, which any other Predacon would do, he grabs him and throws him back onto the bridge. And Primal even says, you'd won. Why did you do that? And then you get this line that honestly, I think, embodies the character, which is, he said, to defeat you in such a way would be lacking in honor. I prefer to finish my opponents the old-fashioned way brutally. And then they start fighting again. (laughs) And it's so brilliant. It is so brilliant. And so then there is this through line where every time they, the Maximals think they're going to get rescued, he's telling them, I don't think I want to be rescued because I'll be labeled a criminal and God only knows what will happen to me, like I mentioned earlier. And so that's something he has to wrestle with. And then for the first half of season two, he's wrestling. He knows things about the golden disc, the MacGuffin of the show, and starts figuring out its secrets and starts wondering do I want to remain with the Maximals or do I want to go back to Megatron? You know, he's wrestling with that. And then there's a episode where he makes his decision and he stays with the Maximals, but then the Ma- at least a few of the Maximals, Rat Trap in particular, doesn't trust him. You know, he even tells him at the beginning of Code of Hero, you know, with everybody else, I know where I know where they stand. You know, he's taking these shots at him. And he, you know, and Dinobot has to wrestle with all of this. He wrestles with a lot of things. My gosh, that episode actually well, starts with yeah. him strongly implying he's essentially going to commit seppuku, which, yeah. for those who don't know, is ritual suicide in Japan, yep. commonly practiced by the samurai back in the day. Yep. He doesn't go through yeah. with it, and they don't really say that's what he's going to do. But if you know how it works, well, you know that's what enough. he's doing. He was so torn, so ashamed that he almost went that far. It's astonishing he, what they wanted to do, what they did. Like, and also how they had him struggle with destiny and what it like. Does he have choice? Does he have free will? Like this show, even though it was designed like it was a kids show. And you could say a toy commercial, like, uh, hear me out. I'm not trying to just bag on, on gen one, but I, I got the tail end of gen one. I got the cartoon. Um, I got the movie. You didn't get anything like this in gen one. You didn't get these like heavy, heavy themes. Like they're, they're beast wars sometimes doesn't just, it doesn't just serve you fun action stuff. If we're going with the food metaphor, it gives you a, a four course meal. It gives you a full on steak. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You are expecting popcorn. I'm giving you this and you're going to digest this. 
you got to yeah. figure this out. Cause you, and that's where I appreciate kids shows or any show that gives you stuff to think about. But here, I, when I was little one, I didn't think I'd have a podcast later because podcasts weren't a thing then, <laughs> but also I didn't know, I didn't think I'd be sitting here 25 some odd years later being like, Oh my gosh, this gets deep. Yeah. like this gets, they're struggling with destiny, with right and wrong, um, with forgiveness, with uh, letting letting revenge go, like Depth Charge. When Depth Charge shows up in season three, he's a fun character. He's also, he starts off as that one note character, and he carries some of that Dinobot energy a bit, a little bit. But he's also singularly focused on, like, revenge. And then towards the end of season yeah, he's three, like very especially. much got a Captain Ahab thing going. Yeah. But it's like that's that's not stuff you generally get with other with other kids shows. So that's the that's the thing that I love about Beast Wars that I wish would carry on into so much. And for me, that's why it's the whole, the the high mark of of Transformers that I haven't seen matched yet. Like we we can look at it nostalgically where there's all that, but I think there's so much meat on this bone that I'm like, oh my gosh, this show is deeper in a weird way than it has any right to be. But I love when shows do that Yeah, because it could have easily just been a cartoon commercial or not a cartoon commercial, a toy commercial. It honestly could have been. And I still would have eaten it up in droves because I'm the, I'm, I'm the target audience at that time. Like at that time I'm looking like, Huh? Cheetah turns yeah. into robot and go boom. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, now so you're just like I want to. I want to park <laughs> here at Code of Hero for a little bit because this was. Oh, yeah. It's uh, technically just a heads up. I do got to get going in like ten fifteen minutes. That's fine. But uh, I, okay, just cool. for, <laughs> I just want to park here for. I just want to park here for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Of course. The Code of Hero is technically the centerpiece of the show if you're just looking at it in terms of seasons. And this was the culmination of a lot of things, in particular yep. Dinobot's story. Oh, yeah. And the big thing that happens, and this is from a Christian perspective, is the only black mark I can hold against it, and that is that it's steeped in evolution because we have Chromacan <laughs> men or whatever. They're in this valley, and Megatron has figured out by looking at the golden disc that humanity is going to spring from this valley. And the humans helped the Autobots win the Great War beforehand. And that is now why the Predacons are subservient to the Maximals. So he decides, I'm going to destroy this valley and kill everything in it. And then humanity will never have existed and the Decepticons will win the war in the future. Yep. Dinobot figures this out. And he's the only one there who can stop it. And, and you have this oh moment where man, he realizes, so good. I am the only one who can do anything about this right now. And there is this brilliant shot of him standing on the top of a cliff face. He's got the sunset behind him, which should... I mean, there's already several little things in this episode that telegraph that death is coming and this is one of yeah. them he is standing yeah. against he's standing silhouetted against the sun set so the sun is going down so that's symbolic of the oncoming death 
his oncoming death, I should say. And he goes into this little speech that, in terms of how it's edited, it seems like it's coming immediately after he tells the rest of the Maximals on their little radio that you know he's not going to wait for them. So I don't know if they heard this or if it's just you know weird editing. But he goes into this little speech, and I'm going to read it for you right now. He says, The question that once haunted my being has been answered. The future is not fixed, and my choices are my own. And yet, how ironic, for I now find that I have no choice at all. And then this line gets me every time, man. (laughs) I am a warrior. Let the battle be joined. I'm getting chills reading this right now. Yeah, <laughs> it no, sounds it was, weird that I'm getting chills reading lines from a cartoon character. <laughs> from like, and also from a cartoon <sighs> about machines that turn animals that turn into machines. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. It's, when 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 you start applying the layers of Transformers and the Beast Wars, and don't get me wrong, I'm not doing it to minimize it at all, because I, I, I love this property. Um, but you're just like, you see how this is more, like in a way, in that loving way, more and more ridiculous. So you're just like, this shouldn't be here, but this chill-inducing, fantastically deep line that would make so much sense in like, a Sarazawa samurai drama epic yeah. is smack dab there. Yeah. Like, and then after that, Dinobot single-handedly takes on every single one of them. Well, except Tarantulas. He took Tarantulas out already. But he goes <laughs> through and he just starts systematically dismantling, sometimes literally, and the every single one of these bad guys. might be the most brutal. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling right you, I'm telling you, we've it. been talking about how violent this show gets. I'm telling you right now, there this are moments of violence in the show. If that had been real people, it would have been an R-rated show. It would have been on HBO. Oh, yeah, and that no, was the it, only way you could see it. It, <laughs> it would have been. Uh, it would have faced uh, challenges getting from an NC-17 down to an R. Um, Probably, <laughs> but they're robots, theater. so we can get away with it. Like so, it, 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 some of this stuff you could be like, I could see Tarantino going for this. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he starts going through and starts dismantling all of them. Then you actually have one of my all-time favorite lines in the entire show because. This is the, I don't care what anyone says, this is the best version of Megatron anywhere in Transformers. Fight me. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> yep. A thousand percent. You're going to take me up on that offer? Fine. G-Man beat you once already, although you were drunk, so that's neither here nor there. <laughs> anyway, this Megatron is absolutely amazing, and... The voice acting for him is great, and they give him some amazing dialogue. And this is my, probably my favorite line from him, which is he's watching Dinobot take out all of his troops except for one. And then he says, One lowly turncoat battling on against impossible odds. I'm almost touched. Fortunately, such moments pass quickly. <laughs> <laughs> they, gave, they gave Megatron so much material. Like, I watched the, the series finale of Beast Wars earlier today, and he's looking down at the valley 
Uh, he sees uh, the anthropoid or whatever we're calling it, the little monkey thing. Um, he's just like, this huge ship, it's, it should almost be like, this should be beneath my notice. But no score is too small to settle. <laughs> and then he just fires the ship at it, killing two of his own troops in the process, showing how little he cares for anyone. Yeah, he is a true Machiavellian. He's got schemes inside of schemes. He plans for everything. I mean, he's he's a brilliant, brilliant villain. In his first season, would also brush the teeth of his Tyrannosaurus head. I know. This show has a weird sense of humor. But what I like about it is that it's kind of quirky, often goofy sense of humor. Most of the time doesn't detract from the gravitas of what's going on. It weirdly fits with it. It weirdly fits with it. And that's where I find it strikes that balance of like, like, this is how you balance it all out as, for all intents and purposes, a kid's show. Like, as, after all the grand speeches and all that, we have Megatron talking to his rubber ducky. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, no. it, it strikes that balance, yeah. and it strikes it well. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> then Megatron goes down there, he gets involved himself, Dinobot is able to defeat him, and then he destroys the golden disc with the last of his energy. And then the Maximals all arrive and the Predacons yeah. retreat. And then that last scene, dude. Oh, I, yeah. I dare anybody to much. watch the show up to that point and not be moved. It is weird. It is weirdly moving. Oh, yeah. and, and for me, it's even better because, again, Dinobot quotes Shakespeare. I believe it is Othello. <laughs> uh, and... It is the absolute best way for his story to end. Let me see if I can find it because it should be shared. Uh, He says, uh, tell my tale to those who ask. Tell it truly, the ill deeds along with the good, and let me be judged accordingly. The rest is silence. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely (laughs) brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And it's just, I can't praise it enough. (laughs) I really can't. Yeah. Now, here's a question I have for you. Do you think the fact that they introduced an evil Dinobot clone in season three, does that rob this character and this story of anything? No. Because they did that? No. No. To me, I think bringing back Dinobot in season three um, ties in more so to Megatron's story. Megatron was upset, like clearly throughout the show, so hurt. Like as much as he doesn't care about anybody else, like he felt betrayed that Dinobot left him. Like Dinobot was the one that he had this weird kinship with. Like when Dinobot was coming back to the Predacons in that episode where he was toying with the idea, um, he was trying to figure out whether or not he was going to do that. Megatron was like open to it, but guarded and then hurt when Dinobot betrayed him again. So coming up with a clone of Dinobot that would be totally subservient to him, like it was his mission. And then in the final in the finale where they didn't 
this is the only glaring part I'd say, or not glaring part, my criticism of the third season is there was at one point possibly going to be an episode called Dark Glass, where it was going to be Rat Trap after Dinobot 2 was created, was going to try to install a backup, try anything to bring his friend back. And it wasn't going to take um, until the finale when Rampage died and then Dinobot got the full spark. His, that would somehow trigger the memories of the original Dinobot coming back. But that episode didn't happen. So in the finale as it stands, when Rampage dies, for some unknown reason, um, aside from, well, we want this, Dinobot's memories start to come back. And when he drops honor towards the end, Megatron gets pissed. And he's like, I created you. I did this. Like, what possible reason do you have to disobey me? And that that there is, I'm like, that's why. Even though Dinobot 2, in the end, they make Dinobot 1, I don't think Dinobot 2 takes away from Dinobot 1 at all. Because yeah. they are, even though in some ways they're the same character, they're also for very different purposes. And it ties in strictly to Megatron's, where... Yeah, Megatron is nuts. I could totally believe, like, if the show had kept going, it wouldn't have surprised me if eventually, like, Tarantulas be dead did. Like, he eventually tries to bring back a subservient Tarantulas. Like, I'd have no doubt that eventually he's like, I'm the ruler, I'm taking away y'all's will. Like, I'm the dictator. Um, It just seems like something that he would do, so... That's my long-winded answer of saying yeah. no. Yeah, well, and it's, it's interesting <laughs> that you bring this up. I've been trying to find it. It's something that I remember reading a long time ago, but there actually was an unproduced episode that centered around yeah, Dinobot 2. I forget what it was called. The script got written, and it more or less would have entailed, I believe it was Rat Trap, diving yeah. into Dinobot 2's head and kind of discovering vestiges of the original Dinobot still in him and finding out that they're still, to use the Star Wars terminology, there's still goodness in him, and which would have foreshadowed the what his turn in the finale. Unfortunately, the, ep- the script didn't get animated because it was deemed too dark. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And There's they ended a, up replacing it with the uh, the little uh, rat trap depth charge buddy cop episode that was more comical <laughs> in nature. So that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. I think it. if you tracked it down somewhere on the internet, you might be actually be able to read the script. So I would be curious well, to there- see what it was like. There's also if you if you Google search Dark Glass, it does show up on the Transformers oh, fandom. Yeah, Dark Glass. Um, I, I I don't have a chance to read the full article now because it also seems like it's there's been a couple different takes on the script that have come up over the years, um, and at points it's been either it's the producers have spec uh, have commented on the commented on it. At one point they said it was too dark. Another producer said the script like there were parts that were interesting, but the rest of the script wasn't up to snuff. So. There's there's a couple different things, but it sounds like there was this uh, there there was going to be this thing, yeah. um, and I, I would have loved that episode. Yeah. Um, as we as unfortunately I got to get going in a minute, so as we come to a close, um, 
before I hop on scuba to head back to Canada land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, like a very weird theme park. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's cold and things are, are, are chaotic here right now. So I'm just going to go with Canada land. Um, so who would you say outside of Dinobot? Cause clearly he's both of our favorite characters. Yeah. Uh, what would you, if you could, who would you say are your other favorite characters? And what are some of your favorite episodes, my good man? Uh, uh, Megatron, for sure. Absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. villain. Highly quotable. Oh <laughs> highly God, quotable. Yeah. His catchphrase <laughs> was, uh, yes. And I have been known to, to uh, say that <laughs> in a very Megatron sort of way. Yes. The fun fact, David Kay, who voiced Megatron, originally auditioned to be Primal. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then ended up being Megatron, and I think he was better for it. Although, also fun fact, in a in one of the more recent Transformers cartoons, I forget which one, I think it was Transformers Animated or something, he got to voice Prime, uh, Ultimus Prime, so... Got his chance later, but all that said, all that being said, I'm also a big fan of Optimus Primal. The thing that's really cool about Primal compared to Optimus Prime is Optimus Prime for a lot of kids back in the '80s, which was why his death in the movie would hit way harder than anybody thought it would, <laughs> was because he was like a father to all of the other characters. He was the leader, yes, but he became this father figure to a lot of kids, and I think he was written that way as well. Primal is less a father figure and more like the intrepid captain of a starship trying to keep his crew in line, which is a very yeah. nice contrast. So yeah. I, I like uh, that Optimus about Primal a lot. leader. Yeah, he's the squad leader. Yeah. Uh, and... I, I love Rat Trap because he's so sarcastic and cynical and it he plays off of the other characters really well. He's a bit of a wild card. He's really fun in that regard. And yeah. trying to think, uh, what's another, trying to think of another Predacon that I really, it, Black Arachnia was really interesting because the she went through a very interesting story arc because the you know she kind of defected but it wasn't quite the same as Dinobot and then she actually has one of my favorite episodes is when she makes her complete turn both in every sense of the word because it was physical as mental and to be honest kind of spiritual as well when she becomes a transmetal too and fun fact right. that episode was written by DC Fontana. Does that name sound familiar to you, sir? Yes, yes, it does. This is I'm the trying part. to figure out. She was a prolific Star Trek writer. There we go. There, there we go. Very talented people who worked on the show. Oh. DC Fontana was one of them. They also had uh, uh, Mark Wolfman. And a couple of people that I found out later wrote for Babylon 5. Hmm. So there's quite the the muscle in the writing department on this show. Yeah. So this, this show is so good. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it really starts to take off once more of the G1 stuff comes in. The big turn 
is the in, in one of my other favorite episodes. It was a three-parter <laughs> called The Agenda, yeah. where they find out not only are they on ancient Earth, but they have learned the the location of the Ark, which was the ship with all of the Autobots and also some Decepticons from the original show. So that made me excited as someone who grew up on the original show. And now Megatron wants to destroy it, and he just about does. Because he essentially assassinates <laughs> Optimus Prime while he's sleeping. Jerk. <laughs> and they have to scramble Megatron to fix it. Yeah, they have to scramble to fix him to keep this time storm from wiping out the timeline. And, you know, which has a lot of interesting consequences. And then they spend all of season three defending that ship to make sure Megatron can't do that. Yep. And, it, and then, of course, great. they get another toy out of Optimus in that. Yeah. And then later Megatron. Yes. It took them a little while. <laughs> Which, I do feel, and that's the thing, I feel like season two is really the show at its peak. That season is very lean. It's very focused. And yeah. every episode yeah. has weight. Season three is not quite as strong. In large part, not so much that it had filler. I mean, there's one or two episodes you could probably say are filler. But it's more because the last few episodes feel a little bit rushed. Like they're trying to scramble to get everything done. <laughs> they can wrap everything well, up as yeah, quickly it, as they can. But so you, it, and that's it, when it, they introduce, because they yeah. introduce a new character within the last three they episodes. They introduce Tigerhawk and then he's yeah, killed. To pay <laughs> off the fact that Tigertron and Air Razor got taken away by the Vok. So there's this hanging yep. thread of, what happened to them? Are we going to save them? Are we ever going to get them back? And then they're like, yeah, you do. And... He, we're going to, we'll make them into one character. He'll be really cool and he'll die two episodes later. Thanks. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You know, and Waspinator was fun. He's a one note character and he ends up becoming the comic relief. He didn't start off that way. He became that because one of the things that the show was known for is the fact that he's kind of like Kenny from South Park. He gets destroyed almost every episode. They. When when they got to season two, they were told they had three options of Predacons they had to kill off. Pterosaur, Scorponok, or Waspinator. Now, apparently the producers didn't have them as much love for Waspinator as the fans did. But they were like, we can't kill Waspinator. The fans will kill us. <laughs> so that's why Waspinator stayed because of the fan love for the character. They were like, we probably have more story opportunity with Pterosaur or Scorponok. And then they included like the the transmetal shine on them as they were sinking in case they ever had the chance to bring them back. Oh. But they were like, we can't kill Waspinator. Like, we we can't kill Waspinator. We'll get killed. <laughs> like Waspinator had was loved. And then they amped up the comedy with him, especially season two onwards. But I find that Waspinator is the best Waspinator. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm and then I think it's some... appropriate that the show actually ended with Waspinator. Yeah. Like the final shot, the final scene of the show, after all the other characters who survived are flying away to go back to Cybertron, it goes back to Waspinator, who is the only Predacon other than Megatron to survive. And he is essentially now the king of the proto-humans, and the final line of the show <laughs> is, eh, 
Waspinator happy at last. (laughs) (laughs) And then that gets mucked up by Beast Machine. So, (laughs) oh, yeah. All right. uh, Before we go, I'm going to quickly share some of my favorite characters um, aside from Dinobot. Definitely Megatron. Um, Rat Trap. I loved Tigertron. Um, Rhinox was really, really cool. Inferno. Uh, one note, but a fun one note. Tarantulas is probably like one of the most fascinating characters because they have so much wiggle room with him. Oh yeah, he was another wild card because you find out that he's actually a mole, and I don't mean that literally. I mean he's a spy. No, for no, no, the Predacons. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> Megatron's a rogue. Um, <laughs> Death Charge was a lot of fun. Um, I wish he had been used more. Enjoyed. To be honest, no, that's and that's fair. That's fair. As I was watching the third season recently, I'm just like, I like this character. I like the performance, but it was also, I think it was that issue of they they probably figured out partway through the third season, like, oh, okay, we're being we're we're done. Like we're they're they decided to do Beast Machines, and the team that did Beast Wars didn't all carry over to Beast Machines, um, especially in so the writing department. Yeah, exactly. So if he could have, I would have loved to see more done with him. But with what we got, I I still enjoyed the character. Um, Also a bit of a wild card. So, yeah, yeah. Well, especially in those early episodes. Um, As we go with uh, some episodes, I'll say the final three from season one before the storm, other voices, one and two a great three-part, like, serialized storytelling. Actually, um, I would argue it's a six-parter. I didn't realize, because when you get to Before the Storm, the major plot elements that start in Before the Storm don't resolve until three episodes into season two. No, and that's that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, it's amazing, yeah, no. <laughs> to be honest. Oh, yeah, like this no, six-part really story, you know, almost. I was going to say, Aftermath, like, the first episode of season two and is then, a great pickup. Yeah. Into the coming of the Fusors, which also have fun with what they're doing. Um, you get some like Western stylized stuff. And then, of course, I know. Um, that was the other thing that was fun about this show is that they would have episodes that would kind of have one off styles. And yeah. coming of the Fusors well, did that where it had some Western spark. elements in it. Bad Spark, which got like horror movie esque at points. Um, There's some a serious Rampage, amount like, of body horror in this show at points. <laughs> I'm thinking oh, particularly yeah. well, of Feral Scream like, when Cheetor is changing yeah. into a transmetal two. Holy crap! There's some nightmare fuel well, in that up in those episodes. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'm even thinking of especially in Bad Spark when uh, they come up like Tarantulas is found by Rampage. He screams, and then they come across Tarantulas in pieces later now this is a show where body parts go flying because of explosions because they're shot and stuff but that's not what happened to tarantulas here and you know it and it's messed up um that's followed by the highlight of the entire series of course code of hero um the the three-part finale of season two the agenda of one two and three is a great three-parter um I enjoyed the first episode, Optimal Situation, Depth Charge Introduction episode, Deep Metal is a good one. Um, I wrote a devotion based on Optimal Situation, actually. Nice. I got to check that one out. Um, And then, of course, the the finale, uh, Nemesis Nemesis Parts 1 and 2. Which is is, uh, credit where credit is due. They actually gave the Decepticon ship a name. In Beast Wars. Yeah. It was unnamed in the original show. 
which I think is interesting. And they, it's one of the great things they've added. Um, all right. So dear sir, unfortunately I got to catch scuba back to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. And I feel like we could do this again. I feel like there's oh, a lot more easily. as we were talking, I'm just like there's so much meat on this bone. So we're going to revisit this topic. We I would be more than happy to do so. Oh, you're in Jimmy's good graces. He would be more than happy to have you come back. Absolutely. Well, Jimmy, dude, I, I like you a lot. So I, I'm loving that it's, uh, it's feeling reciprocated. And that's great. So, uh, yes. All right. So we will definitely do this again. Um, and we can, we can talk about this more. We can talk about it more in depth or do multiple episodes. But, dear listener, I hope out of this, it gave you inspiration, if nothing else, to revisit the show. I, I really recommend it, and Nathan does too. It's a deep show with a lot of stuff, a lot of meat on the bone, a surprising amount. Um, and I hope you revisit it. And in a way, I also hope this kind of inspires you to go back to other shows, but not just thinking, oh, it's, it's this, like writing it off before we get to it. We all have that tendency. Um, I was, I was surprised when revisiting Beast Wars on this most recent run through just how much foreshadowing there was. And with some of the other episodes, just how much depth there was, even though I've been getting used to that, it's just like, oh my goodness, this is a grown up show in a, in a kid's show packaging. And I love when entertainment can do that. Um, in a weird way, it's. It's almost like uh, uh, when uh, us as believers, when we visit the word with open, with an open mind and open eyes to it, instead of being like, oh, I know what this passage is talking about. It's talking about this. If you go to the word with an open mind, God will smack you in the face lovingly with like, guess what, sucker? You had no idea this was here <laughs> or this meaning or this application. Um, and I'm not saying you'll get all that from Beast Wars, but you will get some stuff where you're like, wow. This is a lot deeper, and there's there's food for thought here. So I, I hope you do go check it out, and I hope that last part was a reminder to all of us, and especially me when I read through Scripture, to check my conclusions at the door before I get to it and just really be open to it. Um, Nathan, my good man, any final words? I know you summed it up pretty well. This show is remarkable. If you can get past the dated animation, you have a wonderful 52-episode journey ahead of you. Be prepared to be invested in these characters, to start quoting half of the show because it's a highly quotable show. And to not only have a good time, but to, as we've been discussing, have some things to ponder as you go. Absolutely, sir. Thank you for you, you summed it up very well there. Um, all right. Well, Jimmy, Nathan, thank you for having me back on the island. It's always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to coming back. I got to go hop scuba. Maybe at some point we'll talk Beast Wars too, but even scuba is like, ah, I enjoyed it, but I'm not fully sure. So I got to, I got to plow through it. I got to give it more because he's such a nice guy and such a fun character that I, I feel I owe him a little bit more. All that being said, I hope you have a wonderful night. Stay safe. Enjoy the island. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the scary stuff in the real world is staying, not the real world. Do you get what I mean? Like from the mainland yeah. is staying away from the island. Um, I got to uh, hop back there. Scoop is, Scoop is giving me a nice filtered mask. 
for this <laughs> ride. And yeah. I, I appreciate uh, at it the great. moment, the island is still under another mask mandate. And let me tell you, it's not been fun. <laughs> I think <laughs> well, my I microphone has I, to be I, uh, my microphone has to be sanitized after every broadcast because the board is nuts like that. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. <laughs> all right. Well, all that being said. Gentlemen, thanks for thanks for having me. And dear listener, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of One Cross Radio. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. And seriously, check out Beast Wars. Uh, I'm not sure about in the States, but in Canada, you can find it on the free streaming website, Tubi. You can also pick up the DVDs. They're not that expensive, and they're well worth the purchase. All that being said, hope you have a wonderful day. Take care, and God bless, my friends. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you.